Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. The Coconuts. Check into a hotel full of fun and laughter in this hysterically funny film starring the Marx Brothers. Mr. Hammer, I think I know what's wrong with the hotel. I think I know, too. You're fired. Get your hat and my coat and get out. All right, gentlemen. Customers. Oh, how do you do? How do you do? What are you boys giving me the runaround? Uh, you, you know what an auction is, eh? I come from Italy on the Atlantic Auction. I hope I still got my underwear on. The Marx Brothers star in The Coconuts. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie The Coconuts from 1929. Now, the studio was Paramount Pictures. The release date was August 3rd, 1929. The running time was 93 minutes, and of course, it was in black and white. The budget was $500,000, and the box office took in $1.8 million. Leonard Maltin from his classic movie guide gives it three out of four stars. And his quick little synopsis is, The Marx's first film suffers from stagey filming and stale musical subplot, but when the brothers have scenes to themselves, it's a riot. Highlights include hilarious auction and the classic viaduct routine. Rotten Tomatoes gave it 95% fresh from 21 reviews. So for me, I'd seen bits and pieces of the Marx Brothers movies as a kid on television, but really didn't get into them until I was given this awesome DVD set, which included their first five films. I want to say this is the early 2000s. For the most part, their films kind of blend in together because they all follow a certain format, and the plot is almost secondary in all of their films to their actual hilarious vignettes that they do. That being said, that's what this podcast is for. So I'll go through the movies in detail for you, my favorite people, and you'll know what to watch and maybe what to skip over. So let's get into the main cast. Of course, it's the Marx Brothers. But for this film, I'll give you a quick rundown of each member. So of course, you have Groucho, and his birth name was Julius. He's kind of the de facto leader of the brothers, and the most iconic of all of, of them all. You have the famous funny nose and glasses mustache costume. That's still around today, and that's essentially called Groucho glasses. Uh, he would put on grease paint as his mustache along with the eyebrows, and he'd walk in like kind of a hunched over manner with a cigar in his hand. He is one of the most recognizable characters in entertainment history. In addition, nobody gave better one-liners than Groucho. You have Harpo, who was born as Adolph, but later changed to Arthur. And of course, Harpo played the harp and was completely mute, and save for his patented whistling noises. So while Groucho had the one-liners, Harpo was kind of the king of physical comedy. Chico was born Leonard. His shtick mostly consisted of playing a con artist along with playing the piano and speaking in an Italian accent. And Chico usually worked as a team with Harpo, often conspiring against Groucho. Zeppo was born Herbert, and he's kind of like the Pete Best of the Marx Brothers team. He only appeared in the first five films before leaving the group for a career as an engineer and theatrical agent. So while Zeppo is considered the forgotten Marx brother, the real forgotten brother was Gummo, whom Zeppo actually replaced in their vaudeville act. And Gummo actually didn't like being on stage, and he left the group after joining the military during World War I. And then you have Margaret Dumont, who plays Mrs. Potter. And she is often the foil for many gags in almost all of the Marx Brothers movies. Uh, She was the perfect straight woman against the Madcap Brothers and their antics. And as Groucho once said, she was like the fifth Marx Brother. 
So let's get right into the film. So The Coconuts was actually the Marx Brothers film debut. And essentially it was a recreation of their Broadway shows that they had been performing 18 months prior. And this is why the scenes are so tight. However, even though the boys made everything look easy and seamless, Groucho once said of the director and the assistant director, one of them, French-born Robert Flory, didn't understand English. And the other one, the former dance director, Joseph Santley, didn't understand comedy. Not a great combo. The brothers also had to pull double duty while shooting the film as they were also performing at night on Broadway for their show of Animal Crackers, which later turned into a film as well. So the film takes place in Florida in the late 1920s at the Hotel de Coconut. Unfortunately, the early Marx Brothers are a lot like the early Abbott and Costello films and involve many musical numbers. So for the Coconuts, it's basically a makeshift chorus line with women exercising on the beach in sequence. And I'd say the most amusing part of this is seeing the bathing suit fashions of the 1920s. Luckily, the musical sequence doesn't last long and we're immediately cut to Groucho, who is known as Mr. Hammer in the film. He's the hotel manager and immediately greets the audience with a terrific one-liner. The staff wants to see him and he quickly replies, What? Did someone pay their bill? We haven't been paid in two weeks and we want our wages. Wages? You want to be wage slaves? Answer me that. No. no, of course not. But what makes wage slaves? Wages. I want you to be free. Remember, there's nothing like liberty except colliers in the Saturday Evening Post. Be free, my friends, one for all and all for me, and me for you, and three for five, and six for a quarter. We want money. Yes, money. You want your money? We want to get paid. Oh, you want my money. Is that fair? Do I want your money? Suppose George Washington's soldiers had asked for money. Where would this country be today? But they did ask. And where's Washington? No, my friends, no. Money will never make you happy. And happy will never make you money. That might be a wise crack, but I doubt it. We money. I'll make you all a promise. If you'll all stick with me and work hard, we'll forget about money. So again, Groucho is the king of the one-liners. He's so good that you often miss the gags because they come fast and furious. It's kind of like the gags in Airplane, which I guarantee the Zucker brothers were inspired by the Marx Brothers gags. Unfortunately, Groucho is not on screen long enough, and we get more sequence dancing from the bellhops that want their wages. I think a newer generation of kids who wear funny, the you know, the whole funny nose, glasses, mustache, don't even realize that it came from Groucho Marx. So while I'm being critical here, you got to remember that this is 1929. Motion pictures were still very new to most audiences, and filmmakers almost used a vaudeville type of repertoire when it came to making movies. So in the case of the Marx Brothers, the plot almost never mattered, as it was an excuse to get them on screen and essentially replicate their act. In the meantime, it's like watching vaudeville on screen, which sometimes works, but with the dance numbers, it just it, it just doesn't work. So Zeppo, who's, again, often the forgotten Marx brother, plays uh, a character named Jameson in the film. He's one of the desk clerks who always falls asleep. From what I've read, Zeppo was supposedly incredibly funny off-screen, but on-screen, he would always play the straight man. Kay Francis, who plays Penelope in the film, would go on to be one of the most famous actresses from this film. However, at this point, she was just starting her career. She plays a con woman trying to swindle a diamond necklace from one of the guests. We then get another terrible musical number from Oscar Shaw, who plays Bob, who is uh, serenading Mary Eaton, playing Polly. Again, it's just the era. And unless it's like Robert Johnson playing the blues or, or a classical music piece, pop music of the 1920s just isn't my bag, baby. 
So Polly's mom is played by the Marx Brothers movie stalwart, Margaret Dumont. Again, she often plays the foil for the Marx Brothers. You're going to be here all winter, and I'm stuck with the hotel anyhow. Why don't you grab me until you can make other arrangements? My dear Mr. Hammer, I shall never get married before my daughter. You did once. At about 20 minutes in, we get the other half of the Marx Brothers as Chico and Harpo march into the hotel. They act like guests, but are really there to con the customers. Harpo is always silent, which of course makes it impossible to play audio clips for podcasting purposes. But his main gags involve this horn that he keeps in his pants, and he often whistles when trying to get someone's attention. Or he makes crazy facial gestures and chases women around. Besides Groucho, he's by far the most entertaining of the group, and he never even says a word, unlike Groucho, who doesn't stop talking. Chico is the only Marx brother to have an accent, which actually came from his vaudeville days, so he uses this heavy Italian-type accent. When Chico and Harpo enter the hotel, it's complete chaos, and it's hilarious. Harpo grabs the front of a desk telephone like he's going to throw it, and then Groucho tells him, no, that's only for long distance. So Groucho tells Chico he can have a suite. Chico replies that he wants a cot in the basement. All the while, Harpo is sitting on the counter, taking all of the letters from the mailbox from behind the desk and tearing them in half like a maniac. Harpo then also decides to eat the flowers in the vase on the desk and drink the ink from the inkwell. But the ink, of course, that Harpo drank from the hotel lobby was actually Coca-Cola, and the telephone mouthpiece that he nibbled on was made of chocolate. But they were both inventions of director Robert Flory. Come, Penelope. Let's get away from this bum. So the boys were sauntering away after acting like they were playing Yankee Doodle Dandy after being called bums. So Harpo will eat anything, and instead of answering the phone, he chews on the mic piece, like I said before. Another Harpo gag is he'll go up to a stranger and lift his leg up and then drop it on their arm with a giant smile on his face. He's like an eternal child, but you can't help but love him. So the Marx Brothers gags are so well-timed, and they were way ahead of their time. Even today, their gags are hilarious, and I can't do them justice by just describing them. So I really implore everyone listening to this to really go and check out their films, especially if you love comedy. Another gag is Harpo and Chico trying to fight each other. Harpo acts like he's going to punch, and then he just kicks Chico in the butt, literally. (laughs) As with every Marx Brothers movie, Harpo will always find a harp somewhere and will play it. He's truly a gifted musician, but once you've seen him play once, it's the same for every movie. But I'd rather see this than a shitty dance number like from before. But talk about a lost art. When do you ever see a harpist played today? And then Chico will always find a piano to play. It's the same deal as Harpo. So yes, there is a plot going on involving Kay Francis and Cyril Ring trying to steal jewels from Margaret Dumont, but does it really even matter? What we're really watching for are the gags for the Marx Brothers. There's also another great scene where Groucho, Chico, and Harpo all enter Kay Francis' room over and over as they have adjoining doors. It's so well-timed and crazy to watch, I'm sure much of this was done live on Broadway. Another great Groucho one-liner, he says to Chico, The next time I see you, remind me not to talk to you. Then we get to a terrific auction scene, which I'm not sure how it actually fits into the movie because it's completely random, but it's Groucho, so it's hilarious. Florida folks, singing, dancing, and entertainment. After the entertainment, there'll be sandwiches. But remember, if there are no lots sold, there'll be no sandwiches. 
Florida folks, sunshine, sunshine, perpetual sunshine all the year around. Let's get the auction started before we get a tornado. Right this way, step forward, everybody. Friends, you are now in Coconut Manor, one of the finest cities in Florida. Of course, we still need a few finishing touches, but who doesn't? This is the heart of the residential district. Every lot is a stone's throw from the station. As soon as they throw enough stones, we're going to build a station. 800 wonderful residences will be built right here. Why, they're as good as up. Better. You can have any kind of a home you want to. You can even get stucco. Oh, how you can get stucco. Now is the time to buy while the new boom is on. Remember that old saying? A new boom sweeps clean. And don't forget the guarantee. My personal guarantee. If these lots don't double in value in a year, I don't know what you can do about it. All right, so here's a plot point. K. Francis stole the necklace from Dumont, and it's worth over $100,000, which is probably close to a million dollars back then. But again, does anybody really care? Because... I guess you need some sort of plot in between the gags. But in any case, to keep you updated, Francis and Ring try to set up Bob so that Ring can marry Polly in order to swindle the rich mother. There you go. Chico and Harpo decided to break Bob out of jail. You got the key. That's fine. Hey, wait, wait, look. I got the sword. Now you got to get us something. We get a Bob out. Hurry up. Yes, Mrs. Potter? My daughter has reconsidered her answer to you. Mother, your engagement will be announced tonight. That's wonderful, Polly. Bob, hey, Bob, hey, Bob. <laughs> how do you do, how do you do? What are you doing here? I didn't know they allowed visitors here. I'm a no visitor. We come to get you out. We got to be quick, too. Oh, thanks very much. You shouldn't have bothered, but uh, I might as well stay here as any other place. You've got to come out. Uh, uh, Polly, she wants you. Polly wants me? she got to have you, because tonight she's going to be uh, engaged. Gonna engaged? Yes, yeah, going to be married. Mrs. Potter, she's going to give a, a big uh, engagement dinner. Who? Every, to who? To Polly, the Yates to Polly. Everybody's going to be there. You Polly's going to marry Yates? That's right, that's oh, right. Come on, let me out of here. Get me out of here, quick. Wait, wait, we get you out. Hey, Pesha, be in the car. Come on. What are you at? Wait. <laughs> Polly, what So what's interesting about the scene is that Chico actually forgot his scripted line and basically ad-libs, but it works. We then get another terrible musical number, and basically if they cut out 10 minutes of the musical numbers, it would be perfect. But plot-wise, everything works out in the end, thanks to the Marx Brothers. But again, who cares about the plot? It's all about the gags. Alright, some fun facts about the film. When the Marx Brothers were shown the final cut of the film, they were so horrified that they tried to buy the negatives back and prevent its release. However, the film was a big success, much to their surprise. So Harpo Marx's red wig looks black for the movie, but for all subsequent movies, he wore a lighter color red wig to make it show up better on film. In some of those films, like Animal Crackers, Harpo is actually referred to as a redhead. So all the paper that were used as props is soaking wet, and this was done to prevent overloading the early sound equipment with paper crinkling noises. So there is no original print of the coconuts that survived... Uh, that were complete from the original film. The version of the film that exists, that I probably am watching, uh, is pieced together from a 1950s version with three partial prints, which kind of explains the dramatic changes in the photographic quality. Uh, you'll notice how the image kind of gets dimmer and scratchier just before one of the uh, numbers. It's also why the DVD version is seven minutes shorter than the original theatrical release. It's too bad they kind of lost all the musical numbers. Eh, eh, whatever. In any case, I love the Marx Brothers. 
there are some movies that are better than others. This is fine. Look, you're again, you're not watching for the plot. You're watching for the gags, and those never get old. So we're going to talk about this with our resident classic movie person, Joseph Staub, who brings his insight, and he's always great, and we love talking to him. So let's get into that now, and then I'll be back next week, and we'll talk about another random movie from my DVD collection. All right, we're back with our classic movie guy, Joseph Staub. Welcome back. Thank you very much, Brian. Thanks for having me. No problem. And so we had you on for the Maltese Falcon. We've had you on for Dracula. Well, now we're going to pick a Marx Brothers movie. And it was the very first feature film for the Marx Brothers. And that was The Coconuts from 1929. Now, what what was the first Marx Brothers movie you saw? And what are your favorites? And then we'll get into The Coconuts. Uh, the first Marx Brothers movie that I ever saw was Duck Soup probably the most famous of their films. I Then I saw Animal Crackers, I believe, right after that. And I believe this was the third of their uh, features that I saw. And mm-hmm. to me, it's one of my favorites. I think um, Duck Soup's probably my favorite, but this would probably be right behind it as my second favorite of their films. What about the Marx Brothers did it for you? Who is your favorite Marx brother? I know that's hard. but uh, And how would, you, how would you rank them in terms of your favorites, meaning the, the brothers themselves? I, I think that what really attracted me to the Marx Brothers is that Unlike uh, several other of the comedic pairings, I really think that each one had such a unique personality and brought a unique form of comedy to the uh, their sort of group. I mean, you had uh, Groucho, who was very much into the verbal comedy, very much mm-hmm. with Jess and the back and forth. Harpo, who the miming and the sort of sleight of hand. And then Chico, who was sort of a mix of the two of them, who could really interact with both very well. And then you had uh, Zeppo, who was sort of the straight man to the right. Who still was able to participate in the comedy, but he was sort of the one keeping them all in line. I think Groucho is probably my favorite because I really, I really enjoy that sort of verbal comedy. That's sort of my particular brand of comedy that I really enjoy. That's why I, that's why I enjoy uh, Abbott and Costello so much. That's, that's my favorite comedic sort of uh, group. I really enjoy uh, the Three Stooges as well. So I also sort of uh, can get behind a lot of the more uh, physical humor that uh, Chico and uh, Harpo bring to the proceedings. So, I mean, I think every one of the brothers brings their own uh, really interesting and unique brand of comedy to it, and that's what makes them so great. Yeah, and, and I, that's what I really love about Groucho. He, he's definitely my favorite as well, and it's the rapid one-liners. I mean, he's a lot like W.C. Fields in many ways. Different delivery, uh, but you have to always, every scene he's in, you have to be listening because it's just nonstop. It's like watching, like, Airplane in the 1920s because yeah. the jokes do not stop. You know, it's like, and, and they, they came from vaudeville. So this is, their movies are basically vaudeville acts. The plot kind of happens, but it's really secondary. And that, that's one thing I definitely want to talk about how is how insanely simple and to a point stupid the plot is. Oh, because it's just it's basically a way to get from one gag to the next. And I I, I think that that's why uh, I definitely love the film because of the gags. I think if the plot was stronger, I would love the film even more. Then you would get into later films with other uh, groups, people like Abbott and Costello, when they made their films that right. were just a, as much about the plot as the jokes and the jokes were still really funny, but they weren't, the plot wasn't just a means to get from joke to joke. Right. Whereas I think they, I think the Marx brothers were still trying to figure it out with this film specifically that the plot is not really, really, uh, there that much. I think especially at the beginning of the film with the introduction to all the characters, it's a good 20 minutes of just 
gag, gag, gag you have, um, the introduction of uh, Groucho and Zeppo's characters and the hotel. Yes. And the gags. Uh, and then you have some random dance number for some ungodly reason. <laughs> They're awful. Oh, yes. my God. They are so bad. So, <laughs> That's what. That's one thing that I could. I'm really turns me off for some of these movies is just the random song and dance numbers that have no place in these movies whatsoever. Right. Um. Especially the one right at the beginning with the uh the the uh bellboys that are actually girls. You're right. That are dancing around the hotel for no reason, and Grouch is just like, "What are you doing?" There, there's an e- there's easily 15 to 20 minutes they could have cut out. <laughs> at at <laughs> least. Yeah. Um, and it, rem- I, it reminds me of the Abbott Costello when they had the Andrew sisters. Yeah, the, like, the, show the, early, yeah. the early Abbott Costello films. I could, yes. I could take or leave some of those two mainly because of the Andrew sisters that just keep showing up at every at the most inopportune time, just when something's starting to happen, and then the exactly. Andrews show up, and you're like, oh, God, not again. Yeah, because way back when, I mean, you were going to the theater. There was no television. At least now we can fast forward a little bit, but, which yeah. I, I, I inevitably do. The plot-wise, it reminds me kind of like the early musicals, like with Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire, where, again, there is a plot, but those people are definitely going for the dancing as opposed to Marx Brothers, where you're going for the jokes. And speaking of the hotel scene, that is just brilliant. I love everything about that. Yeah, I, I love uh, when you have Groucho with his first couple big bits with his... Uh non-stop verbal comedy the line is the one line is that just keep coming and especially in his interactions with some of the other people that are uh not necessarily the marx brothers in the film but people like mrs potter daughter and uh the other the uh the two con artists and then you have uh chico and harpo coming in and you start getting a little bit more of the physical comedy with uh especially with harpo and the sleight of hand that he does mm-hmm. uh, i think i think the first the first probably 20, 30 minutes of the film are probably my favorite because of also the nonstop comedy, the, the nonstop routines. And then I think once the plot tries to take shape, uh, you still get some really great uh, gags of the, the gag where they keep running from room to room. Right. Uh, and like the, the rotating doors. And you, at some point, you kind of have to suspend your disbelief because you're, you they obviously see each other. Oh, yeah. But um, I, I think that's one of the classic uh, bits of the film. Then you get... Some again later, you get some of the um, the verbal comedy with the whole viaduct versus wiaduct sort of uh, comedy and the uh, the auction scene. The auction, yep. Uh, but that sort of the, those the comedy sort of becomes fewer and far between as the movie goes on, which is why the beginning sort of twenty thirty minutes are my favorite of the film. Right, and and then you uh, you have you you kind of mentioned her, Mrs. Potter. Margaret Dumont is like the foil for like she's the common foil for almost all the Marx Brothers movies. And actually, Kay Francis, which is a key to the the plot point, she ended up being really famous as an actress in her own right. So it's kind of funny to see one her in like an kind of an early role. Yeah, I think um, like what you said about Margaret Dumont, she is in almost all the Marx Brothers films, and I think uh, at one point. Didn't Groucho Marx even call her the fifth Marx brother, I think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, yeah. I think, And I think she plays her character, especially in this film, very well. I think uh, she's always there sort of just to stop any sort of shenanigans that the Marx brothers are doing. And I think it's great. Yeah, she's always the high class, kind of the aristocrat, and then they come in and they they just turn everything to shit. So <laughs> that's what's the fun part. Going back to the hotel, I love Harpo is probably my second favorite because it's just all his facial expressions, you know, and and everything he does. But like he's eating the, um, I think he was eating the phone, and he's eating like he's just eating, he's he's drinking out of the inkwell. It's just like all these funny gags that they still hold up today. Mm-hmm. And, and especially it's so fun because you go back and you watch these films and every time you watch it, you see a little bit of a gag that you didn't notice before. And like right. It, even stuff in the background is funny. And like 
the reactions that some of the background characters are having, or when it's not the Marx Brothers, like, or it's just like one of the Marx Brothers is participating in the gag at the time. There's yeah. always usually another one in the background, just looking at their facial expressions is great. Yeah, and I think that's what lends these films to repeat viewing, where, yeah, ignore definitely the musical part of it, but <laughs> the the gags, you're going to, you're going to miss them because they're coming rapid fire. It's it's a lot like, you know, Airplane and Naked Gun and kind of the modern day screwball comedies. Um, but this, you know, it, these still hold up. They really do hold up. And I wish more more and more young people like yourself would check them out. Yeah, I think, I think that uh, especially these films, uh, are probably the least talked about of uh, the sort of the classic comedy uh, routine like groups. I mean, mm-hmm. people people to this day still talk about the Three Stooges and still maybe to a lesser extent about Abbott and Costello. But I think uh, things like um, the Marx Brothers and um, Laurel and Hardy are kind of yes. starting to, starting to get left behind a little bit. And I think I really wish more people my age would start um, really uh, appreciating some of this older comedy that was in some ways way ahead of its time. Oh, absolutely. And did you, did you see the biopic uh, Stan and Ollie? I did. I thought that was very well done. And I oh, hope that, so good. I hope that really uh, turned some people on to their work. The guys that played them, John C. Riley, and I forgot the other guy's name that played uh, Stan. Uh, but, oh, they were so spot on. It, it, you really think it's them. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that film. It was very, very well done. And that was the thing about Lauren Hardy. They mostly did like vignettes and uh, if, and you can find them online and stuff like that, but there are a few films they did. I flying deuces is a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, their vignettes are great. Whereas, you know, Evan Costello and the Marx brothers and, and other comedy duos, uh, actually did feature length films. Um, anything else about this film that, that sticks out some of your more favorite scenes? I, I can mention that there is kind of the, the whole plot is there's kind of a, a jewel robbery heist thing going off with, uh, K Francis, but again, you can watch that if you really want to, but it's yeah. for the jokes. It's really for the yeah. jokes. I, most times I watch the film, I kind of get lost in the plot because the plot is kind of confusing because it is sort of like the, the, the moving around of the jewels and, um, especially when you get to the um the auction scene about trying to hide the jewels and accusing people and when they accuse the one who um uh, margaret dumont's daughter's actually in love with and all this stuff and mm-hmm. um it gets really confusing but then there as soon as something really major happens in the plot there's always some big routine that draws your attention back into it Right. It's almost like, never mind the man behind the curtain where you, you're yeah. here for the jokes. Yeah, exactly. So, well, as always, it's been great having you on, Joseph, and we'll have you back on again soon. Yep. Well, thank you very much, Brian. Thanks for having me again. I think um, this is one of my favorite Marx Brothers films, and I really think I hope people check this one out. I hope so, too. And there I have faith in humanity because the young folks like yourself are, are into it. So that's good. Spread the word. Yep, I, um, I definitely do. <laughs> OK, great. Thanks, Joseph. Yep. Thank you, Brian. Hey, this is Brian Davis, and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. And now, get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues, because after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is, of course, the blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the Bad Beat, because even when you lose, you still win. 
we are officially on Spotify now. So if you don't use iTunes, if you don't use the Podbean app, you can go to Spotify and get all of our past episodes. You can stream it on there. So if you're a Spotify user, you can go find Damn Good Movie (laughs) I can't even say my own podcast. Damn Good Movie Memories. Yes, I know what I'm talking about. I'm the host, right? Okay, so go to Spotify, look for Damn Good Movie Memories. You can stream all of that stuff. And yeah, so if you don't want to use iTunes, you don't want to use Podbean, you can use Spotify as well. All right, before we sign off, we do have t-shirts are available for sale. All you have to do is go to TeePublic, that's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com, and you can get your very own Damn Good Movie Memories t-shirt. You can get all sizes, any gender, you can get whatever you want just at the tip of your fingers. So just go to TeePublic.com, look up Damn Good Movie Memories, and you can get your very own t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for Damn Good Movie Memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. I am Dr. Fuck. And I'm the Absolute Alcoholic. And we are part of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's right. And the way you can check us out is we are on iTunes and also Podbean. And we forgot a review recently. I got this review right here. It says right here, it says, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is the greatest podcast in the world. And it's my number one podcast signed by Science. Now, and then Science also says... Science! Science also said... My second favorite podcast is It Doesn't Matter, The Rest Suck. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on iTunes and Poppy. Check it out. Science! Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault on Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. This is Stephen Michael from the Growing Up Rock Podcast. If you're like me and my co-host, Sonny Hollywood Pooney, you grew up loving hard rock and metal music. Check out our podcast where we talk to bands and artists that help create the soundtrack to our lives, along with playing some killer new and old deep tracks of kick-ass guitar-driven rock and roll. Find us wherever you find your podcast to listen to, That's the Growing Up Rock Podcast, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. And feel free to hit us up at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Growing Up Rock. 
So sit back and crank it up. <laughs>